Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have begun our Advent series called The Rescue, where we are reminded that Jesus is the rescue and the one who has the entire rescue plan for our lives. We examine today how he rescued us from the hopelessness that often creeps up on us. As you listen in, our desire is that you will begin to live with renewed hope in every season. Hi church, it's my joy to bring God's word to you today. As we have begun the Advent se- uh, season, we are so excited as a church to just step into all that God has got for us this month. And when Geshom and I were just uh, praying and planning for this month, the uh, verse that was highlighted to us was from the book of Galatians. And I'm just going to read that um, verse for you. Galatians chapter 1 verses 3 to 4. And that verse is the basis for the series that we have um, put together for this month. And let me just read it for you. Galatians chapter 1 verses 3 to 4. It says, Grace and spiritual blessing be to you and soul peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah who gave himself up to atone for our sins and to save and sanctify us in order to rescue and deliver us from this present wicked age and world order in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of our God and Father. When we were meditating on Galatians as per our, you know, daily Bible reading, this word rescue stood out to us. And I don't know about you, but there have been so many times this year when we were in desperate need of a rescue and Jesus came through for us. And that's the basis for this month's series. We believe that Jesus is the rescue. We believe that Jesus has the entire rescue plan. You know, every which way you look at rescue, he's the only one who can actually get us out of something. And we believe that he is the rescue. He has the rescue plan. And as we get into the series, our desire is that each week you would come expectant because each of us need a rescue at a different level. Each of us are going through different things. But the common denominator is this, that we each need a rescuer and he is Jesus, none other than him. And so today we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah. Like you saw in the video, we're looking at Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Um, he and his wife, um, were good people, godly people, and God selected them to birth the forerunner to Jesus. And we're going to read the passage of scripture that tells us a bit about um, what Zechariah says after John is born. You already know the story. They waited for many years, and then Zechariah was serving in the temple. He was doing his duties as a priest when an angel meets him and says, you're going to have a child. And that's how John came about. And I'm just going to read this this passage where it's him rejoicing in the work of God. That's what this whole prophetic passage is. And as we look at it, I want to just go a little deeper into what God has for us. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, 
to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What a beautiful um, poem almost of Zachariah's song of praise. He is delighting. He's probably holding his son, but he is prophesying not only about his son, he is talking about Jesus. And if you look at that entire passage, the theme which is very evident is hope. Why do I say hope? Because Jesus was not yet born. He was still in his mother's womb. He had three more months of incubation safely in her womb. He wasn't born yet. John was born. Jesus was yet to come. And yet, because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah could safely say, this is who is coming. This is what he's going to do. And that has hope written all over it. It's interesting that Zechariah's understanding in language shows us that he had somehow in the last nine months had a revelation of what God's plan was. God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation, God's plan of atonement, all of those big words that frame our faith, Zechariah somehow had had a revelation about it. And it's amazing because he didn't know all the details. He didn't know what was what Jesus' life was going to entail. He didn't know what Jesus was going to accomplish. He didn't know it was going to be just three years. He didn't know the details. But the overarching theme was hope. Faith, I believe, is believing who God says he is. But hope is believing that God will do as he has promised. When you look at this entire passage, when you look at it in different translations, there are hyperlinks to other Old Testament passages. So basically, Zechariah is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to remember the passages that were told to them by the prophets. That was spoken to Abraham, that was spoken to David, and he was putting it all together he was able to join dots that until then were practically, um, you know, incomprehensible. And he was putting it together and saying, hey, this is who this Messiah is going to be. He's going to be all of these things that were promised. And it's beautiful because hope gives us the connection between God's word and God's ways. It's very interesting. This past week, I actually experienced that. I had written this point down and then I, I went about, we had a lot of work with church we were meeting with a couple of church people and I was just sharing with one of my friends at church that, you know, how God had given me this passage to declare this week. But I didn't seem to understand why I was declaring it, but I was just obedient. I was declaring it. And that particular day when I came into church to, to do the, the required work for the day, it was like the Holy Spirit dropped into my spirit exactly why I had been de declaring that word. He showed me how that particular verse had relevance to the season I was in. And that's when I understood that's what spurs hope. When we start connecting the dots and see that God's word and God's ways line up, there is no other way. He gives us a word, we follow through, we obey it, we believe it, we declare it. And then we see what God is doing in the midst of us. It confirms everything. It joins all the dots. And so I want to encourage you today that you may say, you know, I, I have faith in Jesus, but maybe in the 12th month, as we've begun the 12th month, you're saying, my hope 
is running on low because so much has happened that hopelessness seems to be the reigning uh, mood i want to bring you back to this place of saying you can choose hope because jesus is worth hoping in if he is the rescue if he has the rescue plan then hoping in him is worth it i want us to also understand this that there's many times we can pray with faith but can be devoid of hope i want to use elizabeth and zechariah to actually um confirm that okay verse 13 and verse 18 says this verse 13 gabriel is talking to zechariah and says don't be afraid zechariah your prayer has been heard your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him john verse 18 zechariah says to the angel how can i be sure of this i am an old man and my wife is well along in years so gabriel is actually saying hey you asked we're giving you what you asked for so uh, i don't know whether Zechariah and Elizabeth asked for it in the early years of their marriage and they didn't have it happen or whether they were still continuing to believe for a child but this is the thing many of us are praying with faith we believe that Jesus is who he says he is you are god you don't change you are everlasting but we are not having hope we think that you know what i can pray with faith i can just believe who he is that's adequate but he's saying i want you to anticipate what i'm going to do because i am true to my word if i said i'm the way maker in your life i will stick to it i will do it if i am the god who creates and sustains i will do it and he wants us to start praying not just with faith but with hope as well hope is the accelerant it pushes our faith it drives our faith and i want us to come back to this place of being honest with ourselves and honest with god when you look at zechariah and elizabeth and even at zechariah's response in the temple there's a kind of resignation to their situation you know when gabriel meets him i think elizabeth and zechariah had come to this place of just being resigned to being childless they probably had accepted the status quo this is where we are at it's okay but the beautiful thing is that hope can trump that situation we can still keep believing that he is true to his word and i want to believe that hopelessness resigns us to a situation while hope alerts us to possibilities and today i want to leave this with you as we enter the advent season this is not about um, you know decorating our homes or going to the malls or shopping or or splurging on things we love it's deeper than that as much as you can do all of that if that makes you happy go for it if that's what you feel led to do go for it but would you move internally from a place of hopelessness where you just you know resigned to how your life has turned out and move your stance to hopefulness because when you're hopeful you're alert you're waiting you are sensing that god is moving you know when he's going to come through you are anticipating things with joy because of what he is doing in the unseen and i want to leave you with this that we can all each of us no matter what our situation is no matter what our 11 months look like that we can move forward into 2024 with hope because of the one that we hope in i love that verse 76 and 77 they talk about John actually probably looking at his son and saying in you my child you know he's addressing his son he's addressing the ministry of his son because he's going to prepare a people for the lord but then he quickly pivots back to jesus verse 78 and 79 says this the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path 
of peace. The beautiful thing is it resembles what Malachi said. You know, the closing chapter of Malachi, he says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and we will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. That's what Malachi says. And here he's saying that the son of heaven, the sun, the rising sun will come to us from heaven. He's going to shine on us. He's going to bring light. He's going to lead us in the path of peace. And it's interesting, you need to see the distinction. He talks about his son and then he talks about Jesus. And there's a distinct move from the two descriptions. He's talking about John as the, the one who will prepare the way, the one who goes before. But he's talking about Jesus who is the way. He's the one, he's the light. And so often when I was reading that, I was so convicted because so often we make our ministries about ourselves. We make our lives about ourselves. We make our helping of others about ourselves. Zechariah was quick to pivot from John to Jesus. John would have a very powerful ministry, but he was not the rescuer. He was just the forerunner. He was just the one who would soften people's heart to the main guy. The main gig was coming. That was Jesus. So often, some of us put ourselves in rescuer mode. Whoever, you know, we think God puts all these people in our lives just to rescue them, just to save them. But we can do nothing beyond pointing them to Jesus. He is the rescuer. We may have ideas for them, but when you look at the, the entirety of what Zechariah says, you know, how he describes the work of this God who is coming in the flesh, he talks about yielding himself, atoning, sanctifying, saving, redeeming. We can't do any of those things for anybody. Even the closest blood rela relations, we couldn't save them if we tried. We couldn't do anything with them beyond maybe helping them in the physical realm. But the one who does everything for them is Jesus. And I want us to remember this, that if we have positioned ourselves as the sole focus of our story, that today and for the next four weeks, we would pivot away and look back to him because he is the focus. Jesus is the focus. He is the one that we look at. We turn our eyes to him. So as I said, Galatians 1 talks so clearly of how he rescued and delivered us from this present wicked age and world order. And I want us to remember this in a very, very present context. Each of us live in a world threatened by wars, by instability, by lack, by economic downturns. We are not living in a stable time, right? It definitely feels like the end times. But the beauty of it is this, that Jesus has come once and for all to rescue us. And through the Holy Spirit, he continues to walk with us, continues to rescue us when we need it. We are not alone. And so that in itself should give us the greatest hope. If you're struggling with hopelessness, I want to encourage you that every believer in Jesus will face hopelessness. It's not like something's wrong with us. It's not like, you know, we need to be disqualified from the race because we're feeling hopeless. No, it's completely normal. But the beautiful thing is that we can keep coming back to a place of hopefulness. I love that Jesus' plan for us is so all-encompassing. You know, it talks about redeeming, saving, mercy, being showing us mercy and being able to serve him without fear. And this is coming from the mouth of a priest, a guy who had to do so much a sacrifice to purify himself, who had to go trembling into the most holy place to meet, to do, to offer sacrifices to this incredibly holy God. Just picture that. And he is able to say that with the coming of this God, we would have access to him. No more fear. No more worry. I could come to his, him as I am. That's the beauty of the rescue plan. That's the entirety of what Jesus 
brings and that is the reason we have hope but i want to leave us with three simple ways in which we can combat hopelessness i can tell you this there have been many times um over the past at least 20 years when i have combated hopelessness i i didn't put language to it i didn't know i was actually struggling with hopelessness but i knew i was feeling discouraged i fe- i knew i was feeling disappointed and i tried to explain it away in fact i tried to hide it from god because i felt ashamed to feel hopeless in the presence of such a great god but it's been recent years that i've been able to come clean before god and say i am struggling with hopelessness i am being crushed by hopelessness lord and these are some of the things that have worked for me and as continuing to work i'm still a work in progress and so i want to share these with you and i hope it will help you okay the number one way in which we can combat hopelessness is to trust trust don't doubt you know doubt is like our go to mechanism it's the first thing that our mind goes to maybe it's just because of how we are wired maybe it's just because of the things happening around us maybe it's because of our past because of past discouragement that we just straight head into a place of doubt but the simplest thing that we need to do is just trust romans 15:13 is a very special passage to me it says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit this particular verse was something that god gave me when i was expecting my daughter just prior to that i had lost another baby and so i was riddled with anxiety i was so scared at any second i would lose her every time i went to the restroom i would freak out in case i would see blood you know it was that bad and i remember just going to the first 3 months i was on bed rest they were injecting me with things to preserve the baby and this one day i just was lying in bed um just so discouraged that i couldn't move around look after my older son and i was like god how long am i going to be like this i'm always so worried i'm always so scared and then my father presented me with a diary and on the diary was this verse and i believed god was speaking to me and it's interesting the the verse is so cryptic it didn't give me a thing saying don't worry you will have a full term healthy baby he didn't have that he just said trust he will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him and it was like god was inviting me into this place a sacred place of saying just trust me i'll give you more than you imagine and we named our daughter alicia because alicia means exceeding joy because she was the fulfillment of this promise it was that day in the fourth month that i said you know what god i'm going to trust you if you've given me this child you'll preserve the child it's not the injections that are doing it is you and so i began to trust him on a daily basis and so when i held her in my arms i saw the fulfillment of this verse and i want to encourage you take baby steps in trusting god involve him in the everyday things of your life you know small decisions lord i have to go for this coffee meeting help me give me the right words lord this person wants to meet should i meet them what do you think invite him into your everyday so that when the big decisions come you've already trusted him with so many small things where he came through it's easier to trust him with the big things this is not a conditional trust it's a childlike trust it's very simple you tell your child come we're going out they don't ask you when they get older they ask you many questions but when they're little they just hold your hand and come that's the kind of trust we need to come back to when you sit on a chair do you mull over whether the chair can hold your weight whether the chair will accommodate your size you don't think anything you just go sit in the chair 
if we trust in an inanimate object so much why are we not trusting in a god who is held and led us thus far i encourage us that we would have a childlike trust and why do i say that why do we need a childlike trust i believe that a childlike trust is essential so that we don't meet the time of god's visitation i need to trust so that i will be aware of his timing god has this kairos time you know it's a time it's an appointed time it's when things happen we can keep waiting and believing but it's at that time that he releases what has to come to us and if i don't live with a childlike trust i could miss the moment of his visitation zechariah was a good man he was a godly man he was god fearing he and his wife were good people they loved the lord they were serving him and the beauty is that here is a man who was prayerful who was close to god and yet because he had probably not trusted that his prayer would be answered when in the angel gabriel is giving him this word he almost missed it he said how can this be and there were repercussions for that luke 120 says and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time 9 months john was in the womb of his mother but zechariah was silenced it's possible he couldn't hear too he was put into a cocoon almost for 9 months and only when john was born and they were going to name him that it all opened up and i want to ask us will we stop doubting because in our doubt we could miss god's timing in our doubt we would miss when the season is shifting faith trusting god just a child like trusting lord you lead me i'll follow you you tell me to wait i'll wait you tell me to go i'll go you tell me to speak i know you will give me the words that kind of trust is what he's looking for and that's the kind of trust that will fuel hope so the first way to combat hopelessness is to trust and not doubt the second thing is to wait and not wilt why do i say that wait and not wilt sometimes the wait is so long i know friends who are waiting for children for 10 years 12 years and sometimes you're so discouraged hopelessness has crept in that you start to resemble a flower that is drooping but god is saying will you wait the way i want you to wait wilting won't be an option then i want us to look at romans chapter 8 verses 22 to 25 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it patiently the last word had the key we wait for it patiently how we wait matters when we wait with angst with a sense of urgency with a sense of rush when bitterness creeps in hopelessness follows in very fast but when we start to wait with anticipation is the wait hard yes is the wait interminable yes do we mess up sometimes in the wait it's okay he gets it but the attitude of the wait matters do i wait with endurance saying god you're doing something in me i will wait lord you're working in the unseen so i will wait you said that you are creating something new so i will wait 
how we wait matters. In this season, most of you probably bake something or cook something that you like. In our family, cookies are the one thing that are the easiest thing to bake. I'm not a baker. I can make cookies. And I remember this one year we were making these sugar cookies. And um, we rolled out the dough. We put the cookie dough in the oven. I set it. I put popped it in and then I went to do some work. When I came down in 10 minutes, all three kids had put low stools near the oven. And they were seated there looking inside the oven, waiting for it to get done. They didn't understand that you could wait, do other things and come back and you know, it'll, it'll make a noise and it'll alert us. They decided to make their home there for the next half an hour. And they decided when it was done. It wasn't done. We took it out. It was a bit undercooked. Um, but they still chose to eat it. The next day wasn't so pretty. But here's the thing. Many of us are like them. We choose to jump on that promise before it's reached its fruition, before it's come full circle. And I believe that it's time that we begin to change our attitude in the wait. How have you been waiting? How have you been enduring? Has it been patient? Have you been bitter? Have you been grumbling? Have you been kicking against the goads? I would urge you that you change your stance when you wait. Waiting well causes wholeness in our character. Like I said, when we were looking at the previous thing of how trust is essential so we don't miss the timing of God. Here it's important to remember that waiting well causes wholeness in our character. How, I, how do I know this? Romans 5 talks about that. He says, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And it's important to remember this. That when I wait well, God is working on my character. I read this somewhere that God doesn't care for my comfort as much as he cares for my character. So in the wait, if I'm misbehaving, I'm acting up, he can deal with it. Because he's more interested in my character. He's more interested into whom I'm becoming. He doesn't care that this is uncomfortable for me. He knows. He knows how uncomfortable it is. He knows that the stretching is hurting he cares more for my character. I often think when I watch friends of mine who are waiting, when I watch, um, you know, family members waiting a long time, waiting for salvation, waiting for a marriage, waiting for a breakthrough, I worry on behalf of God. I worry and say, Lord, if you keep making them wait, they're not going to choose you, God. They're going to turn away from you. And I love that God doesn't respond like us human people please us. He is interested in the long haul. He is interested in character formation. He will do whatever it takes to get people to turn to him, but he will not twist anyone's arm. He will not do it to please us. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should please us. He's not a respecter of man, it says. Which means that when the wait is happening, how I wait is how he works on me. When I'm waiting patiently, He's shaping things. When I'm waiting impatiently and grumbling, he's working on other parts of me. So would we actually combat hopelessness by waiting well? When I wait well, it shifts that. There's more hopefulness than anything else. And the third thing, the third way to beat hopelessness is stay, don't drift. What does that look like? In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, hope is described as an anchor. Let me read that verse for you. 
because god wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised he confirmed it with an oath god did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for god to lie we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain our hope is the anchor our hope in jesus the person of jesus the kingship and lordship of jesus is the hope that anchors us the interesting thing about an anchor is it's not something that is only used during storms to keep a boat from you know going and crashing into rocks it is used when the boat is docked in a peaceful harbor as well why because even gentle waves even a very minimal wave can cause a boat to gradually drift and if it's not anchored the boat that was meant to be harbored at at the port would have drifted into the main sea now during storms they sometimes will have to drop an anchor to prevent it from going and you know running aground on rocks an anchor is so important because it keeps us fixed and prevents us from being shipwrecked hope is like that when hopelessness starts to threaten to kind of engulf us if you're not careful it will cause us to shipwreck our faith we'll suddenly start thinking that you know what all of this is useless is futile following jesus he is not real we could start going down this dark hole and can be a hole of no return so which is why it's so important that in order to battle and to actually win against hopelessness that we choose to stay stay in the faith stay in the church stay in that relationship if that's what god wants you to do if he doesn't want you to if he tells you to leave it's okay what is god asking you in this season to stay rooted in what is he asking you to stay anchored to he doesn't want you to drift he wants you to stay to stay requires that we prepare ourselves for the battles that are coming the storms that are coming knowing fully well that god has got us knowing fully well that he has said he is with me he'll never leave me nor forsake me knowing fully well that he's the conqueror knowing that he has won the war knowing that satan is a defeated foe i need to know the word so that i know what my stance is it know i know where i stand i stand in his victory and that becomes the anchor knowing that in jesus i'm safe when we stay we experience the fulfilled promise when we stay we experience the fulfilled promise many of you ask what if i leave who's going to know is anyone going to be affected well god has a plan for you he has a process before which he gives you that promise what if you leave just before you get the promise is god sovereign can he give you the promise in any other way he could but many times staying is key not drifting is important when you look at zechariah's life i love that no matter the fact that he didn't have his prayer answered he must have been praying for 40 years for a child he and zechariah and elizabeth must have been on their knees asking god give us a child take away our disgrace because in those days that's how it was viewed as show people that we are favored lord give us a child and it hadn't happened but yet on that day of the visitation Zechariah was right where he needed to be doing what he needed to do he was selected by lot he was in the most holy place serving he hadn't drifted he had stayed how many of you can confidently stay say i'm a stayer 
even when the going got hard i stayed and i see the blessing today when you stay you experience the fulfilled promise it would have been easy for zachariah to stay home and say you know what so many people have said all kinds of things to me so called followers of of yahweh are, are talking about you know my wife and me like we're less than i'm not going to serve anymore why should i serve this god he hasn't answered my prayer he's let me down he could have had so many excuses to stay back to take his hand away from what he was called to do and yet he stayed yet he served there's power in staying some of you are saying well i was so wounded by my previous church leaders this believer said this to me i can't ever step back into a church what is god saying to you? what does he expect of you are you reading his word what is he speaking to you from that have you been drifting knowingly because you think the word of god isn't isn't working out for you it's not relevant it's not working out in this century identify where the drift started and it's not too late to drop anchor again it's not too late to come back to jesus and say i messed up but i'm home i want to stay rooted in you too many of us in today's the times that we live in are choosing to flee before we stay and experience the blessing we wonder why our blessing didn't come we wonder why we didn't experience that fullness maybe it's because we left when we should have stayed i want to encourage you today that you will stay when god asks you to stay i love the story of how um in the in the when the egyptian when the egyptians had pursued the the israelites out and they were now in the wilderness and there was this cloud pillar of cloud and fire that led them by night or day and this cloud rested on the tabernacle and many times they would say when the cloud lifted they would move when it rested on the tabernacle they stayed there is a season to leave there is a season to stay so i want to ask you if you've been struggling with hopelessness where did your drift begin when did it begin find out and put your anchor back in jesus if you've been saying i haven't been waiting well that's why i become hopeless i'm exhausted from waiting he gets that but he cares more about your character than your comfort maybe you've been saying that doubt is killing me i'm starting to doubt the very things i had based my life on he's saying come back to a place of childlike trust trust me step by step i will lead you follow as we close up i want to pray for you if you're someone who's a perennial rescuer you see yourself as someone who has to rescue everyone you see can i ask that while you help others you would keep pointing them to jesus for he is the rescuer he has the entire plan for their lives sorted out we don't have it we see in part so would you allow him to be their rescuer if you're someone who says i'm in need of a rescue i am trapped in things that i shouldn't be trapped in i feel oppressed i feel like i don't have a way out can i ask that you would try jesus he's the rescuer he can rescue you bring you from darkness to light so even as we close can i just pray for you father in heaven i thank you for what you are doing i thank you for how you love us i thank you that you sent your son jesus as our rescuer 
And I just pray that each one of us here, wherever we stand, Lord, if we have been the rescuer for too long, that we would step down and say, Lord, you rescue people. Rescue me. Father, I pray for those who have drifted, that Lord, you would bring them back. I pray that Lord, they would right now recommit their lives to you. Father, I pray if anyone has been struggling with doubt or fear or dismay, that they would come clean with you. They would just lay it bare before you. I thank you that Lord, you don't condemn, that you don't turn us away, that you embrace us with your love. We are so thankful for that. I pray if any of us have not been waiting well, that today that will change, that our attitude will change as we wait. We just pray, Spirit of God, that you would fill us with hope in this season, not just for this month, but for the rest of the next year. That hope will be what carries us through. It will charge our lives up. The hope that is in Jesus, a hope that doesn't fail us, the hope that doesn't disappoint. Give us that hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you will have a week that is filled with hope, that you'll be conscious every time hopelessness starts to come in, that you push it back with hope. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, Consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.